to another episode of the Bible Podcast. Today we're going to be reading Genesis chapter 19 through 21. This uh, here we're going to see more of Sodom and Gomorrah as we dive deeper into the book of Genesis. So we'll start with uh, chapter 19. Sodom and Gomorrah destroyed. That evening, the two angels came to the entrance of the city of Saddam. Lot was sitting there, and when he saw them, he stood up to meet them. Then he welcomed them and bowed with his face to the ground. My lords, he said, come to my home to wash your feet and be my guests for the night. You may then get up early in the morning and be on your way again. Oh no, they replied, we'll just spend the night out here in the city square. But Lot insisted, so at last they went home with him. Lot prepared a feast for them, complete with fresh bread made without yeast, and they ate. But but before they retired for the night, all the men of Saddam, young and old, came from all over the city and surrounded the house. They shouted to Lot, Where are the men who came to spend the night with you? Bring them out to us so we can have sex with them. So Lot stopped outside to talk to them, shutting the door behind them. Please, my brothers, he begged, don't do such wicked thing. Look, I have two virgin daughters. Let me bring them out to you, and you can do with them as you wish. But please leave these men alone, for they are my guests and are under my protection. Stand back, they shouted. This fellow came to town as an outsider, and now he's acting like our judge. We'll treat you, we'll treat you far worse than those other men. And they lunged toward Lot to break down the door. But the two angels reached out, pulled Lot into the house, and bolted the door. Then they blinded all the men, young and old, who were at the door of the house. So they gave up trying to get inside. Meanwhile, the angels questioned Lot. Do you have any other relatives here in the city? They asked, get them out of this place, your sons-in-law, sons, daughters, or anyone else. For we are about to destroy this city completely. The outcry against this place is so great, it has reached the Lord, and he has sent us to destroy it. So Lot rushed out to tell his daughters, fiancés, Quick, get out of the city. The Lord is about to destroy it. But the young man thought he was only joking. At dawn the next morning, the angels became insistent. Hurry, they said to Lot. Take your wife and your two daughters who are here. Get out right now, or you will be swept away in the destruction of the city. When Lot still hesitated, the angel seized his hand and the hands of his wife and two daughters and rushed them to safety outside the city for the Lord was merciful when they were safely out of the city one of the angels ordered run for your lives and don't look back or stop anywhere in the valley escape to the mountains or you will be swept away oh no my lord Lot begged you have been so gracious to me and saved my life and you have shown such great kindness but I cannot go up to the mountains disaster would catch up to me there and I would soon die 
see there is a small village nearby please let me go there instead don't you see how small it is then my life will be saved all right the angel said i will grant your request i will not destroy the little village but hurry escape to it for i can do nothing until you arrive there Lot reached the village just as the sun was rising over the horizon. Then the Lord rained down fire, burning sulfur from the sky on Sodom and Gomorrah. He utterly destroyed them, along with the other cities and villages of the plain, wiping out all the people and every bit of vegetation. But Lot's wife looked back as she was falling behind him, and she turned into a pillar of salt. Abraham got up early that morning and hurried out to the place where he had stood in the Lord's presence. He looked out across the plain towards Sodom and Gomorrah and watched as columns of smoke rose from the cities like smoke from a furnace. But God had listened to Abraham's request and kept Law safe, removing him from the disaster that engulfed the cities on the plain. Lot and his daughters Afterward, Lot left Zoar because he was afraid of the people there. Then he went to live in a cave in the mountains with his two daughters. One day, the older daughter said to her sister, There are no men left anywhere in this entire area, so we can't get married like everyone else. But our father will soon be too old to have children. Come, let's get him drunk with wine, and then we will have sex with him. That way, we will preserve our family line through our father so that night they got him drunk with wine and the older daughter went in and had intercourse with her father he was unaware of her lying down or getting up the next morning the older daughter said to the younger sister i had sex with our father last night let's get him drunk with wine again tonight and you go in and have sex with him that way we will will preserve our family line through our father. So that night, they got him drunk with wine again, and the younger daughter went in and had intercourse with him. As before, he was unaware of her lying down or getting up again. As a result, both of Lot's daughters became pregnant by their own father. When the older daughter gave birth to a son, she named him Moab. He became the ancestor of the nation, now known as the Moabites. When the younger daughter gave birth to a son, she named him Ben-Ami. He became the ancestor of the nation now known as the Ammonites. Here in chapter 19, we see a lot, but um, specifically in verse 16, even after Lot became aware of the impending doom of Saddam, he and his family continued to linger there. The angels had to physically force them to leave. Sometimes, even when we know what course of action is required, we need to push. We need a push to get us moving. Let us thank God for the angels he has provided to help us through times of crisis. At other times, we may be needed to pull others out of situations that are dangerous for them. 
verses 17 through 26, as we seek to escape our sinful ways and the consequences of them, there is no looking back, no lingering. Doing so will only result in our destruction. Lot's wife failed to follow the instruction the angels had set out for her family. They would have run from Saddam, never looking back. Lot's wife did look back, and it spelled her destruction. As we leave the destructive situations in our lives, it will be tempting to look back. But this final episode in the life of Lot's wife didn't demonstrates the fatal consequences. We need to run without looking back, because if you have God in your life, whatever is back there in your life will never be as good as what's in front of you. In verses 30 through 38, we see uh, the incest in Lot's family. And we see that it was a direct consequence of Lot's irresponsible decisions in the past. He had spent his years in a wicked city and had failed to find suitable husbands for his daughters. Their desire for children led to deceit and incest. But there is hope beyond the shocking details of their story. Even though Lot failed, In so many ways, many centuries later, the Apostle Peter used him as a clear example of one whose righteousness came by grace through faith. As we saw in 2 Peter 2, verses 7-8, through Lot was an extremely flawed person, but God is a gracious God. There is hope available for each of us, even if we are living behind a sordid past. Chapter 20 Abraham deceives Abimelech. Abraham moved south to the Negev and lived for a while between Kadesh and Shur, and then he moved on to Gerar. While living there as a foreigner, Abraham introduced his wife Sarah by saying, She is my sister. So King Abimelech of Gerar sent for Sarah and had her brought to him at his place. But that night, God came to Abimelech in a dream and told him, You are a dead man, for what? For that woman you have taken is already married. But Abimelech had not slept with her yet, so he said, Lord, will you destroy an innocent nation? Didn't Abraham tell me she is my sister? And she herself said, Yes, he is my brother. I acted in complete innocence. My hands are clean. In the dream, God responded, Yes, I know you are innocent. That's why I kept you from sinning against me and why I did not let you touch her. Now return the woman to her husband and he will pray for you, for he is a prophet. Then you will live. But if you don't return her to him, you can be sure that you and all your people will die. Abimelech got up early the next morning and quickly called all his servants together. When he told them what had happened, his men were terrified. Then Abimelech called for Abraham. What have you done to us? He demanded. What crime have I committed that deserves treatment like this, making me and my kingdom guilty of this great sin? 
No one should ever do what you have done, whatever possessed you to do such a thing. Abraham replied, I thought this is a godless place. They will want my wife and will kill me to get her, and she really is my sister, for we both have the same father but different mothers, and I married her. When God called me to leave my father's home and to travel from place to place, I told her, do, you, do me a favor, wherever we go, tell the people that I am your brother. Then Abimelech took some of his sheep and goats, cattle, and male and female servants, and he presented them to Abraham. He also returned his wife Sarah to him. Then Abimelech said, look over my land and choose any place where you would like to live. And he said to Sarah, look, I am giving your brother 1,000 pieces of silver in the presence of all these witnesses. This is to compensate you for any wrong I may have done to you. This will settle any claim against me and your reputation is cleared. Then Abraham prayed to God and God healed Abimelech, his wife and his female servants so they took so they could have children for the lord had caused all the women to be infertile because of what happened with abraham's wife sarah here in chapter 20 verses 1 through 18 we ask ourselves why is it so difficult to learn life's most important lessons to protect himself abraham lied telling abimelech that his wife sarah was his sister the sad truth is, Abraham had made this mistake before. In chapter 12, verses 10 through 20, he had fallen into a pattern of using lies and deceit to protect himself. But this practice only caused pain to everyone involved. It also displayed how weak Abraham's faith in God was when confronted with difficult situations. The truth is crucial to building healthy relationships. If we stand by the truth, we can trust God to stand by us when things get tough. I wanted to rewind back to chapter 19 and talk a little about Sodom and Gomorrah. Sodom and Gomorrah at that time was like Las Vegas in the Middle East. Take the worst of gambling, obsessed Las Vegas, drug-crazed Amsterdam, and the sex-crazed red-light district of Bangkok, and you roll them all together, that will approximate the reputation of Sodom and Gomorrah. In fact, things were so bad that God decided to take action against the cities. Abraham pleaded with God to halt his plan as long as 50 righteous men could be found in these evil cities. Then Abraham and God negotiated, bringing the final number down to 10. As chapter 19 shows, Abraham was being overly optimistic and hoping that 10 righteous men might be found in Sodom and Gomorrah. When God sent two angels to inspect the city of Sodom, Abraham's nephew Lot asked them to stay in his house for the night. A rowdy gang, as a Chapter 19, verse 4 says, All the men of Saddam, young and old, they all gathered outside the house and demanded that Lot bring out his guests so that so the mob could have sex with them. 
Lot had the decency to protect his guests, but his despicable response was to offer the men his daughters instead. God had now had enough. He bombarded Sodom and Gomorrah with fire and sulfur, reducing these evil cities to piles of smoldering ash. God mercifully allowed Lot and his family to escape the destruction, but they were reluctant to leave. Finally, the angels had to take their hands and all but drag them out of the city to safety. As they fled across the desert, Lot's wife wanted to take one last look back, even though she had been commanded not to. She knew she would miss her old home. As soon as she turned back to look, she turned into a pillar of salt. Even an evil culture can feel like home to folks who grow accustomed to it. A little bit more about chapter 20. Uh, Jewish comedian uh, Henny Youngman got his start during the vaudeville era but he managed to survive and thrive in the age of TV. Thanks to his fast-paced delivery and his corny jokes, many of them about his wife, like, as he would, he would say, my wife told me the car wasn't running well. He said, there was water in the carburetor. I asked where the car was, and she told me in the lake. <laughs> Young men, may be best known for his famous one-liner take my wife please i take my wife everywhere he said but she keeps finding her way back abraham wasn't trying to be funny when he said something similar to the king of egypt the results may seem funny now but they could have been tragic traveling through egypt abraham grew afraid that the egyptians would kill him so they could take his beautiful wife, Sarah. To avoid this, Abraham told people that Sarah was his sister. The plan backfired when Pharaoh saw Sarah and decided he wanted her for the royal harem. God straightened things out by sending a plague to Pharaoh's household. Abraham later played a similar trick on a king named Abimelech with near disastrous results. It took Abraham a while to learn how to care for his wife. Wives deserve to be honored and respected, especially in dangerous situations. You certainly don't try to survive by splitting up. Stick together no matter what. And by the way, telling jokes about your wife is not a good way to begin. On to chapter 21, the birth of Isaac. The Lord kept his word and did for Sarah exactly what he had promised. She became pregnant, and she gave birth to a son for Abraham. In his old age, this happened at just the time God had said it would. And Abraham named their son Isaac. Eight days after Isaac was born, Abraham circumcised him as God had commanded. Abraham was a hundred years old when Isaac was born. And Sarah declared, God had brought me laughter. All who fear about this will laugh with me. 
who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse a baby? Yet I have given Abraham a son in his old age. Hagar and Ishmael are sent away. When Isaac grew up and was about to be weaned, Abraham prepared a huge feast to celebrate the occasion. But Sarah saw Ishmael, the son of Abraham, and her Egyptian servant Hagar, making fun of her son Isaac. So she turned to Abraham and demanded, Get rid of that slave woman and her son. He is not going to share the inheritance with my son Isaac. I won't have it. This upset Abraham very much because Ishmael was his son. But God told Abraham, Do not be upset over the boy and your servant. Do whatever Sarah tells you, for Isaac is the son through whom your descendants will be counted. But I will also make a nation of the descendants of Hagar's son, because he is your son too. So Abraham got up early the next morning, prepared food and a container of water, and strapped them on Hagar's shoulders. Then he sent her away with her son, and she wandered aimlessly in the wilderness of Beersheba. When the water was gone, she put the boy in the shade of a bush. Then she went and sat down by herself, about a hundred yards away. I don't want to watch the boy die, she said, as she burst into tears. But God heard the boy crying, and the angel of God called Hagar, called to Hagar from heaven. Hagar, what is wrong? Do not be afraid. God has heard the boy crying as he lies there. Go to him and comfort him, for I will make a great nation from his descendants. Then God opened Hagar's eyes, and she saw a well full of water. She quickly filled her water container and gave the boy a drink. And God was with the boy as he grew up in the wilderness. He became a skillful archer, and he settled in the wilderness of Paran. His mother arranged for him to marry a woman from the land of Egypt. Abraham's Covenant with Abimelech About this time, Abimelech came with Aphikal, his army commander, to visit Abraham. God is obviously with you, helping you in everything you do. Abimelech said, Swear to me in God's name that you will never deceive me my children, or any of my descendants. I have been loyal to you, so now swear that you will be loyal to me and to this country where you are living as a foreigner. Abraham replied, Yes, I swear to it. Then Abraham complained to Abimelech about a well that Abimelech's servant, servants had taken by force from Abraham's descendant, uh, servants. This is the first I've heard of it, Abimelech answered. I have no idea who is responsible. You have never complained about this before. Abraham then gave some of his sheep, goats, and cattle to Abimelech, and they made a treaty. But Abraham also took seven additional female lambs and set them off by themselves. Abimelech asked, Why have you set these seven apart from the others? Abraham replied, Please accept these seven lambs to show your agreement that I dug this well. Then he named the place Beersheba, which means well off the oath, because that was where they had sworn the oath. After making their covenant at Beersheba, Abimelech left with Fickle, the commander of his army, 
and they return home to the land of Philistines. Then Abraham planted a tamarisk tree at Beersheba, and there he worshipped the Lord, the eternal God, and Abraham lived as a foreigner in Philistine country for a long time. Here in this last chapter that we are covering today, chapter 21, in the first two verses, we see that God keeps his word. When he claim, when we claim his promises, we know that our sovereign God is able to fulfill them. Under normal circumstances, there was no way that Sarah could have become a mother, but God gave her a child anyway. We may find ourselves in situations that seem just as impossible, but with God, anything is possible. Amen. So that does it for the reading today. I'm just going to quickly summarize what we read today in in my own words. Genesis uh, chapters 19 through 21. Today, two angel men came face to face with the brokenness and wickedness of humanity. The men of Saddam demand to have sex with them. This is similar to Genesis 6, but this time it's human males. Saddam is remembered for several types of sin, including homosexuality, but it's not fair to say this was the sin they were known for at the time. Ezekiel 16, 49-50 says, Behold, this was the guilt of your sister, Saddam. She and her daughters had pride, excess of food, and prosperous ease, but did not aid the poor and needy. They were haughty and did not, and did an abomination before me, so I removed them when I saw it. We definitely see this in the way they treat the angels. Gang rape is horrific. Lot even responds wickedly to the men's wicked suggestion, offering them his virgin daughters. It's unfathomable. Many scholars think Lot is bluffing or expects his offer to be rejected. Regardless of what his intentions are, God's power intervenes. His angels strike the men with blindness, which seems like an appropriate penalty for their lust and greed. God can't even find ten righteous men in Saddam. This is like Noah's days when only eight people survived. God destroys Saddam and its neighbor Gomorrah, but he mercifully, but he's merciful to Lot and his daughters despite Lot's rebellious back, longingly. take matters into their own hands much like their great aunt Sarah did with Hagar scripture hasn't yet forbidden incest but there's still a lot of sin happening here it mirrors the post flood scene between Noah and his son Ham who was cursed for his actions meanwhile Abraham is on the move again he's in King Abimelech Bimelech's territory and gets flashbacks of Pharaoh stealing Sarah in Egypt. He goes back to his old tricks, pretending she's not his wife, 
then Abimelech steals her. One major difference is Abimelech doesn't sleep with her, whereas we have reason to believe Pharaoh did. <clears throat> Since he took her as a wife, Sarah's kidnapping could really put a wrench in God's plan for her to have Abraham's son. <clears throat> so it's a good thing God plans God's plans can't be stopped. <clears throat> Excuse me. God rescues them again by appearing to the king in a dream and telling him he kept him from sinning. Abraham keeps making plans to protect himself and Sarah, but both times his efforts get them into deeper trouble. And it's only God who gets them out. Finally, the long-awaited Isaac is born. Even though his birth fulfills God's 25-year-old promise, it throws fuel on the fire between Sarah and Hagar and the now 14-year-old Ishmael. One day, Sarah hears Ishmael's mocking laughter toward Isaac, and she tells Abraham to kick them out so that Isaac doesn't have to split his inheritance. God tells Abraham to do whatever Sarah says, but God doesn't forget Hagar and Ishmael. He promises to make two nations from them. He promises Ishmael's line descendants, and he promises Isaac's line descendants and land. Hagar and Ishmael flee to the desert where Ishmael almost dies, but the angel of the Lord shows up, listens to their cries and provides for them. Meanwhile, Abraham wants ownership of a well, so he makes a treaty with some locals to acquire it. When God tells Abraham to pray for King Abimelech, who stole his wife, we see God's heart of forgiveness. Remember how God had Job pray for the friends who wronged him? This is reminiscent of John 17:20, where Christ prayed for us. The ones whose sins are the reason for his death. Not only does God forgive, but he wants to display his heart of forgiveness to a broken world through through us, his people. Even though all God's children are children by adoption, he still wants his kid to look like him, his kids to look like him. He wants us to point others to his heart because only then can they see that he's where the joy is. I'm going to leave you all on a daily devotional today. Trust me enough to let things happen without striving to predict or control them. Relax and refresh yourself in the light of my everlasting love. My love light never dims, yet you are often unaware of my radiant presence. When you project yourself into the future, rehearsing that you will do or say, you are seeking to be self-sufficient, to be adequate, adequate without my help. This is a subtle sin, so common that it usually slips by unnoticed. The alternative is to live fully in the present, depending on me each moment, rather than fearing your inadequacy Rejoice in my abundant supply. Train your mind to seek my help continually. 
Even when you feel competent to handle something by yourself, don't divide your life into things you can do by yourself and things that require my help. Instead, learn to rely on me in every situation. This discipline will will enable you to enjoy life more and to face each day confidently. Amen. I hope you all enjoyed this episode and I hope you all have a blessed day. God bless each and every one of you.